This is Dan Fagella, and you're listening to AI in Industry. We continue our theme on advancing your career in the era of artificial intelligence. We heard last week from one of the highest ranking AI leaders within GenPact, a gigantic IT services firm. And we speak again with an AI lead from a gigantic IT services firm, this time Cognizant. Brett Greenstein is the global head of AI and analytics at Cognizant. And I asked Brett, he was previously um, global VP of Watson Internet of Things Solutions, seen a lot of applications within a lot of companies. I asked Brett, when you look at the client companies that you've worked with and you see folks who did not have a technical background but who are really taking a leadership role when it comes to AI implementation, when it comes to the strategic direction of AI when it comes to project management. What did those folks have in common? What do those companies have in common? Essentially, what were the qualities of the people who stepped up even without technical ability to own an AI project and the companies that they worked for? And Brett goes into some great detail, not only about the opportunity for non-technical folks when it comes to leading AI projects and, and leading exciting AI initiatives, but also about some of the, the kinds of roles that they had and the kinds of companies that they work for. So Brett's insights are interesting, again, because he's worked with a number of different firms, IBM, Cognizant, obviously Service, many of the largest enterprises in the world, and I thought there was a lot of excellent insight in this episode. So without further ado, this is Brett, the head of AI at Cognizant, here on AI in Industry. So, Brett, first question we've been asking in this series is how non-technical professionals can advance their career in the AI era. People are worried they don't write the code, they don't have a firm background in math, but they want to be compensated more, they want an exciting career. What is your advice or your, your thoughts for folks who are in that position? I think the first thing to consider is that artificial intelligence is coming. It's going to be in every job, in every business, in every company. Every one of our clients is on a, on a journey towards on becoming an AI-led business, that's not going to change. Yep. And I understand that people worry about what that means to them personally. But when you really step back, the number of people who implement AI, code, develop models, tune models, you know, feed data, all that stuff, those roles are very small. There are millions, billions of people doing all the other jobs. And so those people need to consider that this is not about learning to code. It's about learning to work with and understand the implications of AI and data in your business. So once you become, I'll call it AI aware, algorithmically aware, data aware, once you recognize that our businesses, our lives, our governments, our everything in our life is basically a giant flow of data, making meaning from that and making better decisions is what all of us need to learn how to do, not to code. Coding is great, but that's not the point. Yeah, so so I'd love to dive into what that means, making meaning of the data. You know, there's so many places where the non-technical expertise plays a role. Like you said, actually building, tuning, constructing the models, you know, doing the the wacky hard math to sort of innovate new models. That's a certain percent of the work, but it's not most of it. What are those other big areas? What are those other big kind of clusters of kind of AI value that don't involve writing a lick of code. You know, how do, how do you kind of break those down in your mind or kind of yeah. determine them into pillars or categories or what have you? I think it comes from people who recognize that, that one, that it exists, just being aware that all the data that's out there has value and can be applied for new insights is a new way of thinking. It's people who are really very data aware. And once you have that, 
it's, it's a bit of a wake up. And then you suddenly look at problems differently. I met a student recently who's working in a retail store and he works looking at the cameras, watching people checking in and out of the store and they're looking for theft. And he could continue to look at those cameras and try to catch people doing stuff. And you catch, you know, a percentage of the, of the theft. But what he realized, because he's a digital thinker, is that there's a ton of other data that's useful in assessing the risk of theft. Cameras using AI can detect behaviors and motions of people who are likely, you know, contributing to theft. You can look at the data, what's going on in the parking lot from a, a camera vision um, or sensor data or mobile data to know, you know, are they coming to every store? Or do you have the same customer going to every store on the same day, picking up the same stuff? There might be a theft pattern there. So once you consider that there's more data than what you see in front of you, you start to look at the problem differently and you start asking new questions. So this young person that I talked about is asking his boss, well, what kind of systems do we use for machine vision? And can we look at patterns? And can we see what's happening in other stores? And suddenly asking really good questions that weren't part of the BAU process. And in order to do that, these people have to have an understanding, I presume, of what AI can do, and also maybe even some examples of precedence of other AI use cases, right? He, he would have to know that the detection of the behavior of theft is a use case that is viable, that is reasonable, that is, you know, AI accessible. So there's, there's sort of some contextual knowledge there, right? I mean, if, if the fellow never knew anything about AI, he might not have that idea, What's that background info that somebody has to have to come up with ideas like that, to think of new areas of business value, to to determine those those sort of pockets where AI could be applied meaningfully? Yep. So this is where AI awareness comes in. So people who are non-coders, but are studying business or finance or HR, whatever they're studying in school, whatever their majors or minors are, in every profession, there's an impact to AI you know, that is coming. And so we need people to start to focus on learning about that same way I was an engineer, but I took psychology and philosophy classes. Those are, you know, I needed electives, they were cool. And I learned something about philosophy and psychology, but I'm not an expert in either. But I became aware of it. I became aware how human motivations and behaviors uh, shape decision making, or the philosophical sides of, of right and wrong and morals and ethics and logic that I learned from philosophy. Those things have applications in the technology businesses that I work on now. And so I think for all of us, we need to consider how do we learn more about the strengths and weaknesses of AI? How do we build that into curriculum? How do we individually study it independently? If you look up AI education today online, almost all of it is basically how to learn Python and R and you know do data science. But we need more people educating on what the implications are of AI. How does it work? What can it do? What can't it do? What sort of data is useful? What sort of use cases and patterns are we seeing in different industries? And then how do we become more aware of it so we can ask more of our technical teams to bring us to that next level of, of really an AI-led business? And I think if, if somebody sort of is taking your, your advice seriously here, okay, they can become AI aware, they can find those opportunities, they can you know, add value to the business without being the one who writes the code, but being the one who maybe helps to you know, determine new AI projects or helps to manage bringing a new AI project to life. They don't have to write the code to be the one managing a project. Uh, there's a lot of different right. ways that they could potentially be involved. Well, so um, it's also about how you train and transform your own team. We have, um, I'll give you an example. So we have uh, customer service being done by call center reps all over the world. You know, our company, but every company does. And I've noticed recently out of China that they've increased dramatically the percentage of customer support during sales, especially peak sales times, towards chatbots and conversational AI. And 
If you know that AI is capable of doing that and you're running a call center, you should be asking yourself, can we take the top 80% of the questions, the Q&As that come in and move them to some degree of automation, whether it's chatbots or or a conversational agent to handle that volume so that our agents can work on the high touch cases, the more complicated ones. And we offload the easier ones to an AI system. But to do that, you'd have to know the conversational AI exists and it's possible of doing certain things and it's not possible of doing others. Yeah. So you have to, again, have those precedents of use in your mind. You have to know yes. where it's yes. apl- where it's being applied, where it's driving value, who's using it to solve what kinds of problems, what kind mm-hmm. of data is involved. You have to have those context pieces. And then you could say, oh, that might fit for us. And conversational AI is an awfully hard job. But like you said, finding the low-hanging fruit, super frequent questions, there definitely is uh, you know fruit to bear uh, there. And, and there's certainly precedents of fruitful use there. And people could identify those. So you'd mentioned, right. I think what you were saying as you were getting into that was thinking about rebuilding teams. Obviously, this is a huge part of a, adapting and adopting AI mm-hmm. is mixing kind of the data science talent with the subject matter expertise. Is the reformulation of those functional teams also another area where maybe non-technical folks can can add some value? And if so, how? Yeah. So teams really processes. So whatever process you're responsible for in your job or whatever you hope to be, you know, as a student, you've got to look at how that process will be transformed by the capabilities that exist in AI and that will exist soon. So it doesn't require being super deep. It requires recognizing that in some cases, there are things AI does better than people. There are things it does worse than people today. And there's some improvements that are coming that are relevant. HR is being transformed by AI. Most people don't think of HR as a deeply technical space. However, the tools and methods have been improving dramatically over the last couple of years, and now it's being useful, very useful in using natural language processing, for example, through candidates, resumes, CVs, background materials, social networks, and other stuff to really match them to the characteristics that have the highest degree of success in your business. That's a new skill set. HR leaders who typically sorted through and ruffled through paper or, or online resumes need a different way of thinking. So, and already candidates have begun to work the reverse. So once you know, for example, that algorithms can help you find the most qualified candidates with the highest likelihood of success, candidates also know that AI is looking at their resumes and they're beginning to put in the words and terminology to work with the algorithms. So it's working both ways. We have to be better as consumers to understand that AI is now a part of the process. For example, in call center, just to go back to that easy example, we know that if we hit zero often enough, eventually a person will pick up. You know, So we kind of know how the system works and we generally say service or agent or push zero and eventually a person picks up if that's what we wanted. Once you know an AI is answering questions, people tend to shape the questions to get the best answer fastest. So as business leaders, we have to think about what is AI capable of? How will my processes change? And what sort of skills and thinking do I need to bring into my HR process, for example, knowing that AI could help me find the best candidates, retain the best people, prevent risk and problems with compliance, increase engagement. Once you have tools that do that, which there are already AI tools for all of those things, you're aware of it, you start to invest, staff, retrain, rethink. Got it. So, you know, that that rethinking of a business process, of a department, of a set of teams that are getting a job done, that's not necessarily going to come from the folks that are implementing the HR NLP system into your, you know, uh, 
mm-hmm. IT ecosystem or what have you, right? I mean, th- that's really going to come from a functional leader that understands both sides of the fence and says, how do we need to evolve? And that's another area where it sounds like, I, I like this. I, I, I don't think we've had anybody actually bring this up, that the imagining of how the, the teams, the processes, and the technologies are going to change within a department and kind of bending that evolution in a proactive and productive way, that's another mm-hmm. area that it sounds like you're kind of highlighting is something that the non-technical folks can really do to, to add value in this age of AI. Yeah, we, we invest a lot of energy into that for how we do governance of AI, change management, the interface and intersection of human and process with, with AI systems. We put a lot of energy into that in Cognizant because it is, it is more important than the technology. And I look back to the internet and the web and how there were webmasters and people who were extremely good at coding and building, you know, uh, web-based systems. And then there were the previous marketing generation who looked at print ads and everything else. And they just thought, if I just put my catalog on the web, I'm done. But in reality, the transformation to being web-based, internet-based businesses was led by people who could see the potential in the internet and bring in the webmasters and other people. But I'm pretty sure you would say that Jeff Bezos was not a webmaster. He designed an internet-based business around what the internet was possible, capable of doing, rather than based purely on HTML. And so the same is true here, that it's not about data science, not about R or Python or any of those things. It's really about what does it mean to business and how do I design a business that takes advantage of the strengths and weaknesses of data and AI. Yeah, I like that idea of the Jeff Bezos analogy. Jeff Bezos was not a webmaster. That's a nice analogy for the marshalling of AI. It's it's really, mm-hmm. can we think about where this can add value? Can we look at how the world is changing and then try to, you know, stay ahead of the puck, if you will? Can we, you know, think about a new way that customers could be satisfied based on what this technology can do and then build in that direction? That's not a code guy thing. That is a leader thing. It is. It really requires people thinking in new ways. And we often call this digital thinking being, you know, a, a digital leader. But it's exciting because you can feel it in the startup concepts that are coming out of companies that are sort of designed AI first, data first. It's a different mindset and it creates all kinds of new possibilities. Last question then, Brett, to sort of build off of this. I mean, you know, one of the neat things about your position, and we've interviewed a number of the folks in the kind of IT services space from the high ups at the Accentures and the Fractals and, and whoever else, but you guys work with clients all over the world. Yes. Gajillions of, of you know, analysts and consultants and, and now AI is becoming a big part of a lot of projects. You're seeing people in these you know, stodgier industries, companies that certainly weren't built with AI in mind, that are now mm-hmm. starting to transform, beginning to test pilots. Some of those are failing. In fact, a lot of them are probably, but but some of them are succeeding. And you're going to see maybe what, what wins and loses. Some of the people in those businesses, whether it's oil and gas, agriculture, they're becoming the non-technical person that's all of a sudden now heading up AI initiatives, heading up AI goals. Some of the people yep. who are listening to this show right now, they kind of want to be that person. They want to be the person that takes the reins and gets more opportunity, more compensation, more excitement and, and relevant skills for the future of AI instead of feeling like they're getting left behind this technology wave. What does it look like to be the person who steps up, takes the ball and runs with it for a project in a company that's just starting to adopt AI? I think our listeners are really going to want to maybe be that person. Yeah, I agree. And I think If you look at traditional industries, whether it's agriculture, retail, legal, any of these industries, people who got good at doing it the way we do it now need to think differently to see the potential of what's possible. But in every industry, I'm seeing these stars, these future, you know, giants of industry, you know, who are just figuring out what is what is AI and Internet of Things, for example, mean to farming and how does that transform it? 
what it comes down to is I think the strongest recognition you can get is that we today make decisions mostly on a coin flip based on experience, judgment, and the limited data we can consume as people. But AI-based systems can look at a lot more data, they can do it faster, and they can look at multiple objectives and come up with more optimal decisions. So as decision makers, whether you're deciding when to turn a field or how much to increase a price in a store or you know any decision you're making in business, you have the advantage in the future of having tools which can consume the data of your business and the data of your customers and the data of your environment and recommend better outcomes. And this is as game-changing as spreadsheets were for traditional you know, businesses where suddenly anyone could build a little model and figure out what to do. What's coming is that we're all going to be able to turn to an AI and say, this is what I know. What's the best thing I should do? And you still get to make the decision, but at least you'll have tools that can consume all the data and recommend things to you. That could be visual data, you know, unstructured data coming out of social networks, could be any form of data, but it's just much more data than you typically look at yourself. In terms of, so, and this is part of, I think, what you're articulating here is part of what, you know, you were referring to as maybe digital thinking, or people could think about sort of, you know, thinking through this AI lens. If you were, you know, if, if you're a random functional business leader within a agricultural company, a retail company or whatever, mm-hmm. your business is starting to think about AI, starting to maybe strategize around AI and, and maybe even think about initial initiatives. How do you be that person who steps up? I mean, is it as simple as, hey, look, I've done a ton of learning online. I've gotten an understanding of the context. I've gone to some events around this stuff. Mm-hmm. I know you guys were interested in these projects. I'd actually, you know, I'd like to step up and be the person who kind of sorts through what vendors to pick and kind of presents this to the executives because mm-hmm. I know this business really well and I've been studying this space, you know, really, really hard for the last, you know, nine months and I feel like I'm the guy or the gal for this job. You know, how, how do you see people becoming that internal AI leader in a company that hasn't done it before? How do you see those people kind of emerging and taking the reins? So there's a, there's a moment where people sort of um, wake up to the new reality of, of the digital world. And I, it reminds me of that scene in The Matrix where um, Neo, if you're familiar with the movie, yeah, yeah. sees the world around as just a bunch of walls. And then he looks up and sees all the green numbers moving by. The world is made up of data. And suddenly the world looks different because he can see the data. And suddenly everything is possible. And for people, when they have that moment, and it happens all the time, they should not worry that they have to do this transformation on their own. There are many companies like ours, but many companies who who will do the assessment and consulting and planning and strategy, as well as testing and piloting and experimenting and then scaling. All of those things have to happen, and there's really very specialized skills for some of those things. But the first moment is that waking up moment. The second is when you start to reach out to people in the field. So I've had people from academia and companies and others reaching in through LinkedIn or through their own networks and just saying, I think my business could be better. And this is what's going on. And what we often do is um, kind of thing where you're sitting down over a napkin and you just ask them, how does your business work today? And then someone who understands AI says, oh, well, what data do you have? What kind of decisions do you make? What would make you most competitive? And then based on that, you sort of make this hypothesis that if I could take you know, the latest deep learning systems or our newest work with evolutionary AI, if I could use that to take 2% out of, you know, the cost of this or improve your accuracy by 5% and when you make these decisions, is that worth something to you? And if it is, then you start to compile teams and you come up with a, a way to sort of do strategy and planning and stuff. But you have to first match your understanding of the business with someone who has an understanding of what AI is capable of. And then doing that whiteboard or napkin session and really think through, can I be better? Is it worth it to be better? 
you know, and what sort of help do I need? Everyone needs help in this. It's true. And, and there's definitely, there's a way to lean too much on consultants and you're, you're just being a nimrod and kind of bypassing the building of internal competency, which is absolutely not bypassable. But then there's also a time where you're trying to do it all yourself. And some of the implementation or some of the strategy stuff could really be helped by an outside firm. So finding that balance of where does the vendor ecosystem, the consulting ecosystem fit in is an important internal distinction. There's obviously there's no way getting around the functional leaders are going to have to get smarter themselves. But part of the way that I see these people get smarter, you probably see the same, Brad, maybe we can kind of end on this point, is that, you know, they have a lot of conversations, you know, that the people who in the agricultural business who all of a sudden decide we're going to get into this, you know, they go to enough events, they talk to smart folks like yourself or people on your team or people at, at other companies. And that's part of how they, they upgrade their own skills. They show up at events. Like we were just at the AI summit in San Francisco. Yeah. Not every client who came up already had a, a strong data science practice. Some of them just wanted to know what's possible. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's tough for you guys. Like you guys in the vendor ecosystem, it's, it's a little bit of nail biting there because it's like, oh man, some of these conversations are so early. But at the same time, it's, it's necessary, right? Because some of those folks six months down the line might actually have some budget and some real initiatives. Yeah. And the, and the possibilities are so many. So the potential is very high. And that's why they're showing up at these events, even without that background. I think for so many customers, just people, they just need to know what's possible. And so yep. often when someone comes up with a business idea and they say, well, what should I do? I say, you got to find you know, an, an AI or data geek to work with you and, and plot out the potential for Because what you want to be when you introduce a new model is significantly better than competitors or benchmarks. What is best in class for supply chain? I think that was a question that Amazon certainly asked themselves. And they said, we can do it better. We can, you know, FedEx, even I go back to the FedEx model. They decided that shipping into hubs and then shipping to, to places was more efficient than the current model. And once you, and they knew it was possible because of airlines and logistics, they knew it was possible. So you've got to find your, your AI buddy and begin to look at what's possible, but really focus and, and value your domain knowledge. It's, it's all this transformation happens in your process, in your business. I like it. I think this has been a, a really good sort of overview of a big takeaway for me right now, Brett, and, and something I hope the listeners are going to drink in and take home. Brett just shared a lot of insights about you know how to step up and be that person who learns this stuff, be the person who gets connected to the ecosystem, be the person that takes charge of an AI project. Hopefully, some of these takeaways are useful. But I think the big lens, Brett, that you shared is that Jeff Bezos was not a webmaster. I think that sums it up. Uh, you know, There's so much orchestration and strategy and initiatives that aren't the technical, that are really the thinking. And that's where the excitement is and where the non-technical skills can fit in. Is that an okay way to sum it up? I don't want to end on a, a not proper note. I just want to put a nice bow on what you got here. No, it's perfect. I think all of us felt intimidated by what it is and how it works and the fears of what it is. Awareness, comfort, understanding, and getting to know people who do know the technology so you can focus on transforming your business is the ultimate goal here. Big time. Brett, this has been a blast. I appreciate you being able to share your thoughts here on AI and industry. Okay. Thank you very much, Dan. So that's all for this episode 
of AI in industry. One thing I'll say about this series about advancing your career in the era of artificial intelligence is that I've probably gotten more LinkedIn messages about this month's series than any previous month we've ever done. Uh, lots of resonance with our audience, which I'm very, very grateful to see. Obviously, most of our listeners, probably you listening in right now, are functional business leaders. They're managers, they're SVPs, they're directors, they're C-level folks who are interested in applying AI. They want to get the edge in AI, but they don't necessarily want to learn to code. They want to have their skill set and be able to understand the strategic part of AI to advance their career. If you had parts of this series that you really liked, then be sure to message me on LinkedIn. Um, it's just Dan Fagella on LinkedIn. I often will get messages on LinkedIn from loyal subscribers who've been with us for a long time. Many of you who are listening in right now, thanks so much for keeping up the conversation. Some of you have been chatting with on and off for two and a half years as you've listened to our various episodes. So if there's something about this episode you really like, pop me a note. Let me know what you really valued in it. Um, it's great feedback for us. I know I'm going to be doing another series about advancing your career because we've had such a great response from this one. So feel free to pop me a message. And if you don't want to miss any future episodes, please do make sure you're also on the newsletter. I'm sometimes surprised to hear the folks who are listening to the podcast but aren't on the newsletter. Most of you are. Be sure to go to www.emerge, that's E-M-E-R-J.com. Right there on the homepage, you'll see where you can subscribe with your email address and you'll get all of our new episodes directly to your inbox, plus all of our newest research and insights across industries when it comes to new AI use cases, AI trends, and best practices for executives. So that's emerge.com. Be sure to be on the newsletter if you enjoy the show. In the next episode, we'll be wrapping up this series on advancing your career in the era of AI, where I personally will be breaking down some of our research insights from the polls of our subscribers. So we'll be taking some of the lessons learned in advancing your career in the era of AI and combining it with what we've learned as we've polled our own audiences and done our other outside interviews in addition to the podcast and bring to you sort of what our research-backed insights are on how people advance their career in the era of AI. What have we discovered? What are those common patterns? And also, how can you use them to advance your own career? A very actionable episode. It's also going to be a very brief episode, but I look forward to capping this one off uh, with an analyst episode here in the coming week. So be sure to stay tuned in for that. And otherwise, I look forward to catching you in the next episode.